you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. 14 years going on 1,500 episodes. I've got to change the uh, byline there on the track. Uh, welcome to another great show. As always, we put on the most amazing shows to make our audience the most smartest people on the planet. If you're listening to their podcasts, it's making you dumber. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. It's probably just not making you quite as smart. Uh, so that's why you should always refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives, and thereby is the lead-in for the plugs. Go to goodreads.com, forward slash Chris Foss, youtube.com, forward slash Chris Foss, linkedin.com, forward slash Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter. I think grows like a weed. Every time I go up there, I'm like, Jesus, how many people subscribe to this thing every day? But I guess it's free, so uh, there it lies that. Um, we have an amazing author and mind on the show, and of course, none of them are mine. <laughs> I lost that years ago. You, you've seen me for 14 years. You know what's going on. Uh, anyway, he is on the show with his latest book that comes out August 22, 2023. My God, are we in August already? It's almost Christmas, for hell's sakes. Uh, it is entitled The Perennials. The Megatrends Creating a Post-Generational Society. And he's written a bunch of books we'll be talking about. Mauro Gian joins us on the show today, and he'll be talking to us about his latest book. Uh, he is one of the most original thinkers at the Horton School. Uh, and if you don't believe him, he'll fight you. No, I made that part up. Don't believe that. That's not in his bio. He's one of the most original thinkers of the Horton School, where he is the professor of management. I just thought that'd be funny. And vice dean for the MBA for Executives Program. He's an expert in global market trends. He's a sought-after speaker and consultant. He combines his training as a sociologist at Yale and as a business economist in his native Spain to methodically identify and quantify the most promising opportunities at the intersection of demographic, economic, and technological developments. His online classes on Coursera and other platforms attracted more than 100,000 participants from around the world, and he's won teaching awards at Wharton, where his presentation on global market trends has become a permanent feature of over 50 executive education programs annually. And he's the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of 2030, How Today's Biggest Trends Will Collide and Reshape the Future of Everything. And he's here, people. And if you don't listen to this whole damn show, you're going to be dumber for it. Welcome to the show, Mara. How are you? Oh, thank you so much, Chris. And by the way, the great mind here is yours. Oh, well, I, half of mine. I had a frontal lobotomy uh, last week. So um, there's that. There's a half mine there. Well, so welcome to the show. Congratulations on the book. It's a new honor to have you. Uh, how many books do you have? And then give us a .com of wherever you want people to look you up on the interwebs, please. Well, I, uh, I've written two books for the general public, uh, but mm -hmm. uh, for academics, meaning for 15 other people or so, I've written maybe 10 books, 10 other books, but those go. are boring books with a lot of footnotes. There you and go. Uh, people, people can find me on LinkedIn with my name, uh, M-A-U-R-O, and then G-U-I-L-L-E-N. I think that's there the best go. place, and then we can connect and we can, you know, um, exchange views. There you go. So uh, what motivates you want to write this latest book? 
Well, you know, a number of years ago, maybe two years ago or so, in the middle of the pandemic, I was bored. I was giving a seminar over the web, and the audience was uh, directors of zoos and aquariums in the U.S. and abroad. Just so fancy that, okay? So what I had was all of these people who run zoos and aquariums, and they were telling me about how difficult they were finding it to appeal to multiple generations, mm. right? Because only, you know, very old or very young people want to go to a zoo these days, it seems. Mm. And so it's, it dawned on me that I had to do something about generations. And why is it that we are continually categorizing people into generations when it doesn't make sense, when we should be paying attention to their individual characteristics as opposed to, mm. you know, all of the stereotypes and all of the cliches uh, when we say, oh, you're a millennial or uh, you're a baby boomer and so on and so forth. So that's how I, uh, you know, hit up on the idea of writing the book. Mm -hmm. Well, you know why we do that, right? Because we have to identify the greatest generation ever known to man, Generation X, of course. Mm -hmm. And we need to separate the riffraff that was separated both of those. So that's, that's why that's done. But uh, <laughs> your book is entitled The Perennials. Who are the perennials? Damn it. Where are they? And Damn it. Yeah, where are they? They're all over the place. Uh, it's still a small percentage uh, of the population. But Chris, the perennials are people who don't think and don't act their age. Uh, so they learn, they work, they have fun uh, at whatever age, but not necessarily when we were told that we were supposed to do certain things in life. Ah, uh, so they might be like me, a uh, guy uh -huh. who has a... Uh, Peter Pan syndrome uh, and hasn't had a wife and kids and plays video games all day when he's not doing a podcast. Is that, is that who is, am I, I a perennial? What is a perennial? Tell us, tell us what the, I think perennial equals uh, Chris Voss. I mean, there's no question about maybe. it. You are, I think the uh, archetype of the perennial, but, but, but it is people who really want to break the mold. People who think that the way we've been running our lives is too constraining. It's uh -huh. too, it is like a straight jacket. And you yeah. know, we have so much change in the world, changing, Everything is changing, politics, the economy, technology. Mm. We need a little bit more freedom, right? More flexibility to do what we want at uh, different ages. And uh, But the current model, the way uh, jobs are structured, the way uh, you know companies think, is not consistent mm. with that uh, more flexible way that we really need in order to adjust to this brave new world. Mm -hmm. So is your cell that we need to throw out the whole Gen X and Gen Z? I mean, we need to throw out Gen Z. Let's put it that way. Have you seen them lately? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love you people. Seriously, I'm going to have to live with you. Um, but you, we need to throw out all those archetypes of uh, labels, and we need to just uh, focus on perennials, maybe? Well, I think I mean? we need to focus on individuals. Okay. Um, you see, the problem with generations is that uh, this is a particularly American uh, obsession, by the way, because in other countries in the world, they're not upset, that obsessed about generations. But here, it all started with the greatest generation, so people who were in the Great Depression and fought in World War II. Wait, I thought that was Gen Zers. No, yeah, and how they compared to baby boomers. So all of this started with that comparison there. And then every successive generation has been criticized for being lazy, for being unfocused, uh, and so on and so forth by the older generation. And uh, that's how we came to be in 2023. It's being, you know, we've been playing that game for too long. Yeah. And it's kind of silly, uh, Chris, because uh, the, the, the boundaries between generations are completely arbitrary. So they say, oh, those uh, people who are born between the year X and the year Y. Well, that's completely arbitrary. And then there's so much variation within each generation. I mean, not all millennials like avocado on toast. Mm -hmm. Let's just get serious about this, right? Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of uh, differences within generations, and by categorizing people into those uh, labels, I think we're doing a disservice to everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can buy a lot of what you're saying, but, I mean, have you heard some of the new generation's music? I mean, that's pretty much what separates <laughs> them, where you just go, what the fuck are you guys listening to? 
ping pong, jing wong. What, what, what is that noise? A DJ? Did they play an instrument? Anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm teasing the generation. So uh, let's get into this some more. Um, so you want, you're, you're talking about societal shifts here, demographics, and, and it, it sounds a bit like it's kind of what you're talking about. People don't want to have fun and maybe uh, have a richer life. It sounds like you're describing what a lot of people maybe are going through with the hangover from COVID where, you know, they're, they're kind of, they want jobs that kind of mean something more. I know Gen Z wants jobs that mean something more. They want something that has a bigger picture to it. Is that kind of maybe more of uh, what these people are about? Well, let me ask you this question, Chris. Who doesn't like a job that is fulfilling, a job that, uh, well, pays reasonably well, but a job where you can meet uh, new people and where it's fun to go to work? I think that's boomers. I think you described boomers right there. Yeah, but you know, I don't think I don't think uh, that defines any particular generation. I think that's All a right. human aspiration, general human aspiration. Sure. So, uh, so you, so what? You, what you're selling this is we need to start thinking differently about um, about uh, not not boxing everything and just being a better generational society as a whole. Well, uh, yes, I think uh, the way I would put it is that uh, we need to be uh, learners and workers and mm -hmm. uh, people who have fun throughout our lives. Uh -huh. We shouldn't be confining learning to just when we are in our 10s and 20s. Uh, we should be lifelong learners, for example. That's one implication of this. Another implication, quite frankly, is that we have to do whatever it takes to help those people who don't make the transitions. You were referring to Peter Pan and the Peter Pan syndrome before. Mm -hmm. So some people don't uh, make the transitions because they make the right, the wrong choices, but other people don't make the transitions in life from one stage to the other because they have uh, bad luck. For example, think about teenage mothers or think about people who uh, abuse substances, but then they recover, uh, but then they, they realize I've lost uh, 20 years, right, in doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, or think about people who uh, didn't have parents and they, uh, they are part of the foster care system. Or think about people who just simply, you know, made the wrong choice, made the wrong uh, decision. For example, they dropped uh, from high school and now they realize that only a few jobs are available to them. Well, if we change the model whereby people can recover from those setbacks, I think mm -hmm. then we will be helping uh, the 60 million or so Americans that happen to be in one of those categories that I just mentioned. There you go. So how do we facilitate that? How do we change that model? How do we give that support? Is this a government program or uh, community programs? Or how do, we, how do we facilitate that? Well, that's the harder part. And what I propose in the book is Wait, that... Wait, the hard part? That's the harder part. Uh, the, 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 uh, what I propose in the book is that, first of all, we, we have to change our mindset. That this mm -hmm. idea that uh, in life we proceed from one stage to the next, that we have this order and we have this sequence is kind of uh, something from uh, you know the past. We have to change now because once again, things are changing, evolving very quickly in technology, in the economy, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but then we, we need, as you correctly pointed out, we need the government and we need companies, big employers, to change the way they think about their employees, the mm. way they think about people. Because you see, they mostly categorize people into age groups and then they treat them accordingly. So for example, it's very rare to find a company that uh, is willing to uh, invest money and resources in training an employee who happens to be 50 or 60 years old. Yeah. They could to get rid of him or her. Yeah, bit of ageism there. They just yeah. don't hire them. So, I mean, that's... that's they don't hire them, them and they don't want to invest in them if they have them around, right? <laughs> that's a big problem. That's a big problem because, uh, especially for one very important reason, that you and I are in that age group. So, they have to change their tune, okay? 
And and so, how do we get them to to facilitate that? How do we get them to change their tune? Is there is there a term for that? Because you know how they are with buzzwords and business. I you know, know I know. Well, I think that we need to persuade them that this is the way mm-hmm. to go. But also, I think competition in the market will uh, probably also force them to do so. Because you see, mm-hmm. age cohorts are becoming smaller and smaller because we're not having babies. You've noticed, right? That people are not having as many. I didn't babies have kids, so I. They're still having sex, as you said. Yeah, they're still having sex, as you said before, but they're not having babies. Uh, Yeah, that's how that can work, yeah. Exactly. Um, Uh, But but, yeah, we are in a generational decline. Sorry to interrupt you. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, the issue is that companies have uh, fewer and fewer young people to hire because uh, we're having fewer babies, right? We've been having fewer babies for the longest time since Nixon was in the White House, actually. And yeah. so, uh, so well, thinking uh, of him kind of turns people off from having a baby. I know. That but phase. anyway, but the problem is then for companies that if they really want to attract the talent that they need, they're going to have to think twice about the way they deal with people in their 40s, in their 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. Can I bring up something too that uh, you may have thought of? Did you did you address the fact that one of the things that's happening with the boomers is we're losing with their retirement, and I think it's what like 10,000 a day or something in America. We're losing a lot of knowledge, mm-hmm. like people that have trade skills. And, and I think at one point I read that in like certain trades, you know, blue collar sort of trades, where, but you still have to have the really good knowledge base, you know, union based jobs that are, that are hard. Um, there's like seven people retiring for every new one person coming in. And those seven people have senior you know, 20 years experience and, you know, the new guys replacing them. Like there's not a, there's not a lot of big replacement. Like when the boomers came in, you know, they were just taking over everything. Uh, but now the opposite's happening. You know, you see what's going on in places like Japan, you see China crashing with its, yeah. with its uh, population thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. we're like, hey, let's, let's not let anybody in the country at the border either. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because one solution to this problem is immigration. But of course, these days, it's a politically fraught issue, right? I mean, if we, yeah. if we raise immigration as a solution, a lot of people will be turned off. Uh, but, uh, you know, the other thing, uh, Chris, that I think is important to realize is that all of these arguments are not just about people above a certain age. There are arguments that people who are in their 10, in their teens or their 20s should listen to because they should be thinking about their life in a different way. And they should be thinking about how powerful it is to have a a multi-generational workplace, for example, Hmm. or to go to school together with other generations, how we can enrich each other, right? So I think uh, the book and the message in the book is as valid for somebody who has just turned 60 years old as to somebody who is thinking about what to do in life and is just a teenager. It's really important to think about life in a different way that we have over the last 100 years or so. So if I'm understanding you rightly, it kind of takes us back to the old tribal elements that we used to have, where instead of just you know being in our segments of society, the teenagers running around with the teenagers and old guys like me and you are on our lawns, spraying them with the hose, go, get off the lawn. Uh, we need to have we need to have more of a tribal situation where people can learn from their elders, and and we all kind of learn from each other. Does that sound like? What you I mean? I think that's a great way of putting it. And in fact, I'm thinking about changing the title of the book to the Tribal Society now that I'm speaking. You no, I think that's a great way of uh, making the point. Absolutely. You know, I we we've kind of become the society, and I've had some people on that have talked about it, and of course, my observations too. In, in tribal times, you know, we, we see so many people struggle. Divorce rates are high. Uh, people are unhappy. Um, I saw uh, one of the feminist women from the 60s. She was talking about how 
why women really enjoy getting together like on the women's march mm-hmm. is is because we used to live in these tribes and so women if they needed help with their children uh you know whether it was birthing or babysitting or whatever you know they would be in these tribes and and women could sit around and and they could get education and they had their elder women there so they had the knowledge base there and and it was a community and we felt like a community and the same with men like men have that problem now like a lot of us men we game because you know we don't go hunt stuff anymore and but when we're together our masculinity uh and our testosterone actually goes up because yeah. we're designed that way to go you know fight the woolly mammoth whatever the hell it is um and and in honesty our biggest problem is now is, you know, we're isolated in homes. We're cut off from everybody. The only thing we have are these 2D cell phones that technically we're really not designed for. We're, we're designed for face-to-face. I'm designed yep. to watch your face, your reactions, and yep. interact with you. We're designed to touch each other. And there's all sorts of shit that goes on in our brain when we touch each other, shake hands, kiss babies. It's why politicians do it. I was telling somebody the other day. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent that. Our, one of our biggest problems is we're just too separated as a human uh, species. I, I couldn't agree with you more. We need to recreate society as it once was. Because, you see, what we've been doing for the last, I would say, 30 or 40 years is playing to the identity politics, right? So yeah. everybody has an identity, right? So I'm a woman or I'm a man or I'm a, uh, you know, whatever it is. And uh, this is fragmenting society, I think, in ways that uh, I don't think are you know, conducive to a better situation, quite frankly, for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to rethink that, uh, all of that that we're doing. Yeah, I've started doing something because, you know, we run a bipartisan show here. I mean, I'm, everyone knows I'm a moderate Democrat. I probably slammed a little bit to the left, but I, I'm, I, can, I can see the parties from both sides. But one thing I've been starting to do is when someone asks me, they go, oh, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Or, oh, you seem to be this. I'll be like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Buddy, we're all Americans. I'm an American, and you're an American. And there's a goddamn constitution that makes that happen. And we need to focus on that. And and w- it's interesting that when I make that identity and remind people that our identities are American and that we're supposed to be working together, that changes the tone of the conversation. That and my threat of violence, of course, when I have that bitch face look in my eye that's like, I will kill you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But no, you, you see what I've done there, though? Yeah. I set the standard. Yeah. I've yeah. reset the standard of the conversation to be like, we're an American. Now, if you want to talk politics as an American with the Constitution, we can do that. But I'm not going to argue with you. We're, but I'm going to talk to you as a fellow American. Yeah. That, well, the, that changes the tone. Exactly right. I mean, we have forgotten about the common ground that, that, that mm-hmm. no matter how different we may be or how diverse we may be or how strongly we feel about our identities. There is common ground to be found. So, for example, I think somebody from Texas can find common ground with uh, somebody from New Hampshire, believe it or yeah. not. I think it is possible, although most Texans, I guess, think it's impossible. Yeah, it won't work in Florida, but every place else, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. Florida, we're teasing you. Florida man, Florida woman. We've seen those, uh, we've seen those news. Um, but, no, I think you're right. Uh, there needs to be more of a community. You know, it's funny. The more I learn about our tribal nature and how we grew up in tribes, and how we did things as men together, how we did things as women, how we did things as a community that ov- oversaw it, new people going into the world and educating them and giving them skills uh, and life skills. We don't do any of that anymore. And the more I see that, the more I realize how, you know, what a lot of our societal ills probably prog- proclamate 
Is that the right word? From that. Yeah. You're the yeah. you're the smart one. So yeah. Um, let, let me yeah, on that point, let me give you a a phrase for you know, maybe for a tomb, right? Um okay. so uh, it would be uh, we have become prisoners of our own identities. Ah there you go. Anyway, so everyone here lies, here lies Maro Guillen. He fell prisoner of his own identity, right? Yeah. Here that lies Chris Foss, that. some idiot human being that <laughs> probably was an alien in real life. The uh, now you, you you're right. We have kind of created this branding society too. I don't know if you've talked about this in your book or what your thoughts on it, but we've created this branding society where uh, you know, especially with the Instagram sort of age, where you know I'm this. And this is my brand, and God damn it, I'm going to stomp around and tell everybody this is my brand, this is my identity, mm -hmm. as you put it. Mm -hmm. um, and it really separates all of us. Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. Some, people better, some people more than us, because you can just go, you're an idiot, you stay over there. Yeah. Well, and let me tell you this, this whole thing about social media. Uh, as you know, I teach in the university, and I noticed uh, a few years ago that people would start putting on their CV how many friends they had on Facebook. Oh, really? As an achievement, yeah. Mm -hmm. Underneath their degrees, they would put, I have, uh, you know, 25,000 friends on yeah. Facebook, which I guess means you have no friends, right? Yeah. My degree came with, uh, it shows how many likes I got during the four years I was at uh, 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 behavioral school. Mm -hmm. I, I was trying to think of something funny. Uh, at the, I think it was at the uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Cuckoo Nets School, uh, the one with the rubber rooms. But no, I think this is important, and 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 I know that a lot of uh, employees right now are kind of coming from what you've talked about. They want jobs that are more fun. They, I, I know a lot of even boomers that left early during COVID, the job market, and even Gen Xers. And there were, and I had I had one Gen Xer on my show that was really interesting, and he took and cashed out all of his assets. He cashed his four hundred one k, and he'd done the math, and he goes, "Look, Chris, I'm like fifty years old." I'm not going to see the odds of me seeing my retirement money and my retirement are pretty freaking low. And I think I, there might've been some, you know, some cancer or something in his family and his genetics and stuff. And he goes, you know what I realized? He goes, fuck it. I'm cashing all this stuff out and I'm going to go have fun and I'm going to go blow it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'll have to go to a job. I, I agree. I think we have to go back to, each of us becoming more like Bonnie and Clyde, you know. <laughs> Rob Banks, cool. Let's go, man. I'm gonna go. Pick, I'm gonna come pick you up uh, in the car. Grab my gun, <laughs> damn it! I don't know, whatever. But you mean you mean just live like a maybe a little bit more free, free exactly. Life? I, I, again, as I said, we have become prisoners of a way of life and a way of thinking about the different stages of life that is just way too constraining. Yeah, we have to now, liberate ourselves from that. Now, how's this going to work when the guy that listens to the show is Mary goes comes home and tells his wife this? Well, <laughs> depends on the wife. Which wife are we talking about? Sure. Yeah. Which? Well, if you're in Utah, no, I meant yeah, is, it the, the first, is it the first wife or the second wife? Or the depends third? on if you're living in Utah or I don't know. <laughs> no, I meant temporarily. Oh, oh, you no, mean the first wife or the second? Wife? I think I think the third wife might uh, react in a different way than the first. Yeah. Wife. There you go. Well. You got to work this out ahead of time on a prenup, evidently. But you know, it, it's it's sometimes it's scary too because people, you know, I mean, I know a lot of women take jobs that they feel good about. Um, women take jobs like men take relationships, and so they tend to pick jobs that maybe don't pay as well, maybe are career oriented, but they enjoy. 
Um, and maybe that's more what people need to do, but sometimes that doesn't work out because they don't pay well. And if you got to provide for a family, so how do you balance the, you know, make some money so you can keep up with the Joneses a little bit, maybe get that pick a fence with a two car garage, you know, that nuclear hold fantasy dream. Uh, but you know, still keep the wife happy. <laughs> well, look, uh, I'm not going to claim that the perennial mindset that I described in the book is the solution to every problem, but I think it will be the solution to this issue of uh, whether we are really helping people develop their full potential. Mm. We need to help people develop their full creative potential because, once again, the model that we have right now is too constraining. So I think uh, moving in that direction would be, uh, would be uh, great and that would uh, result in great uh, outcomes. Now... You mentioned, we talked earlier about how, who needs to help facilitate this. You mentioned the government. What does the government need to do? I mean, well, look, funding wars and shit. The single most important thing, uh, believe it or not, is that the government is a big employer. Yeah. There's a lot of people working for the government at all levels. So uh, if the government actually takes the lead in terms of changing how you recruit people for jobs, how you treat mm -hmm. people while they're on jobs and so on and forth, that will have a massive effect on the economy, a massive demonstration effect on the economy. Uh, then, of course, there are policies. But you see, the government is the worst because they, they continually categorize all of us into an age group. Uh -huh. So they have programs for young people. They have programs for middle-aged people. They have programs for the elderly. So the government needs to change wholesale, right? They have mm. to start categorizing people uh, according to age. So, for example, they have very few educational programs for the elderly when they should have full access to education for the elderly, right? Yeah. Uh, so the government is a culprit here. And again, mm -hmm. remember that given that they're such a big employer, they should also change their ways in terms of how they employ people. Paul, I think I, yeah, I could be wrong, but I think the biggest employer that the government does is the U.S. Postal Service. It could be wrong. Yeah, on that. probably. probably. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of work that has to go on over there to make all those people happy because we yeah. did a YouTube video of it like, I don't know, seven years ago or something about UPS problems, U.S. Postal Service problems. And there's a lot of angry postal workers on it. Let's yeah, it but it's way. amazing, right? Now that we're using email and we're using, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, communications app, and people mm -hmm. still write letters, right? <laughs> so I do. Yeah. I still call people, and it pisses people off. Why are you calling me? I'm like, uh, just to bug you, because yeah. I know yeah. people don't do it anymore. Um, so, so employers need to change. Everyone needs to change. Uh, what are the, do we need to create a movement for this? Do we need to create some sort of social, damn it, it's uh, time to get off your couch and go to your window and scream, I'm sick of everything, I'm not going to take anymore, sort of network thing? I, I, the way I would put it is that I think we need to create a bandwagon, right? So uh -huh. we need to create a, um, a fad, so to speak. Uh -huh. uh, so we need a hashtag, basically. We need a hashtag. Uh, we need to rally the troops behind this idea because, again, way too many people are not uh, seeing their full potential realized mm -hmm. because of the old model, the way we do things. Uh, we need to move in this other direction. So uh, what we need to do is to have some leaders out there, some companies that are more enlightened than others, maybe some parts of the government uh, who also are seeing the future, and uh, we need to uh, encourage others to follow suit. Hey, I got an idea. Mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know what we need to do? We need to find a really young kid. And who's really who's kind of cute and and uh, semi smart and has has kind of an attitude, uh, like a Greta Thunberg type. Only she uh, is promoting this whole perennial thing, and uh, we just we just get we just find one of those, and this thing will become a movement. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Is that a good Absolutely. idea? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We need this thing to go viral. 
We could call her, but she's busy with some other things. She's boating or something around the world or something. Uh, so uh, that's really good. Well, this is insightful, and 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 it seems like you really like like to look at things and try and take them out of the box. Your build is mm -hmm. the most original thinker. Does anyone ever fight you or threaten to fight you over oh, that? Oh, all the time, all the really? time. But I uh -huh. I'm ready for uh -huh. a fight. I really like fights because that's when uh, that that helps me, you know, sharpen my argument. Yeah, there you go. I really, I really like uh, discussions and debates, even if they're bitter. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and I guess, is everybody in the world a post-generational perennial then? Or is it just America? Because we, you know, <laughs> here in America, a, we just think everything wrong. I think it's an especially, I think it's especially acute uh, here in the United States, but it happens everywhere in the world. Yeah. Even Canadians? No, I think kidding. even Canadians. I think we even Canadians. Canadians. Yeah, they're great. Okay, well, well, I mean, they—they're always nice. They always—they're always polite and stuff. I always have a couple of Canadians in my classes, and uh, I wouldn't be able to uh, do without them. There you go. I, yeah, we love Canadians. Um, I always tease my Canadian authors when they come on the show. I'm like, "What's it like living next? Are we like your drunken, uh, alcoholic brother? Yeah. Like all the time, you guys are up there just sitting up there going, oh, God, what are the Americans doing? Fucking again? Yeah, but you know, you know starting another war. But you know the you biggest know. problem with Canadians, right? Uh, what? They're always trying to figure out how they fit. Oh, I was going to say Nickelback, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? They, they're always trying to figure out how they fit? How they fit, right? How when they, they come fit. to the U.S. and they start living here in the U.S., they're all constantly asking themselves, what, what the hell am I doing here? How do I fit here? I'm a Canadian. Uh, uh. Well, they, they seem to fit in pretty good. Uh, Celine Dion got her nose in here, and uh, that Justin Bieber, uh, he fit in just a little bit too well. Um, I'm all for deporting either one of them or both. Um, but, uh, and then Nickelback, you know, I love Nickelback. They're good. Yeah. They're good. But then, you know, but what they do is they're always imitating Americans. So we have American Idol, they have Canadian Idol and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a big Rush fan, so I accept them. Russian Triumph fan, so I accept them. Uh, so anything more you want to tease out on the book, Mauro, before we go? I think, uh, what I really want to emphasize is this idea that, um, we have to challenge the assumptions as to how we live, that uh, we mm. shouldn't take for granted that, uh, you know, the way that our parents live their lives is the way that we should be living our lives. And once again, unless we change now, we're not going to be able to adjust to adapt to what's coming because mm. what's coming is a big revolution in technology, in the economy, everything, right? And uh, just remember, the only possible response to change is change itself. We have to change. There you go. Somebody said something like that. The only change is change suffers. Like Roosevelt, maybe. <laughs> was it Roosevelt? That said something like that. The only oh, is the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Yeah, there you go. We can say the same thing about change. You're right. There are a lot of things that are happening. You know, with AI, and you know, we've constantly been talking in the technology space about how we're going to have to retrain some people to do some new gigs yeah. uh, because AI is going to change and it's going to wipe out some jobs. And, you know, pe more people have to drive Ubers, I guess. Or yeah, the greatest thing about AI, as you know, is that um, it's likely to wipe out lawyers, you know. Uh, so wow, that's, that's going to be a good Shot thing. Shot across the bow, my lawyer friends. <laughs> you know, it, I, it's going to affect everybody. It's going to affect a lot of people. I, I was like myself. Uh oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've even been told that there's they're working on AI podcast host bots. So evidently yeah. I'm getting replaced yeah. as well. But I think my audience after 14 years has probably figured out I'm a bot as well. And uh, mm. they're just like, yeah, they just wind him up and put him on the show. And he does yeah, this no, little monkey look. clap thing. Yeah, the other day, a venture capitalist told me that uh, he had invested $20 million in a venture that is trying to uh, replace uh, podcasters. 
I, do you have his name? Because I'm going to his house. No, I'm just kidding. Don't I, don't. I just made this up. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I I've heard there's plenty of platforms doing it. You know, but the beautiful thing is, is a few AI at this point could be as funny or as interesting as me or smell as bad. So there's that. I mean, as long as I don't shower for a week at a time, I got that going for me. Yeah, but so they don't like you. it in the media industry and in Hollywood. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have people on the show and we make people laugh and we do what we call infotainment. And I, you know, I can read the chat GPT stuff and there's no life in it. Like I can read it and be like a robot bot wrote this. Yeah. yeah. This is a bot, but I don't know, maybe eventually, you know, maybe, maybe they'll teach them comedy, you know, maybe if they read enough George Carlin, they'll, yeah, they'll get our bit, but uh, improv too. I don't know. It'd be really yeah. weird if, if, uh, if they could do improv comedy and just come up with, all the funniest that I do on the show. So there you well, go. You, you can feed the machine uh, previous episodes of your podcast and uh, let's see what happens. That would be weird, huh? I yeah. send the text in and then have them redo the podcast better. Like, hey, <laughs> hey Chris, here's how you could have made that joke better, dumbass. And you're like, where did you get your knowledge from, Carson? All right, well, damn it. Uh, so there you go. Mauro, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Give us .com so people can find you on the OS, please interwebages please Mauro, can you give us your dot com so people can find you on the internet oh sure so it's uh, Mauro, uh, com. but uh, it's better if people find me on linkedin because then we can communicate very easily there you go uh so thank you very much for coming on we really appreciate it man very oh, thank you for inviting me this was a pleasure and i've uh, been entertained yep that's that's hopefully what we, hopefully the rest of the audience was Otherwise, yeah. they all subscribe. That would be bad. Uh, thanks for tuning in to my audience. Go to goodreads.com forward says Chris Voss. LinkedIn.com forward says Chris Voss. You can see me and Mara over there in the big LinkedIn newsletter. Big LinkedIn group of 130,000 people over there, too. Check that out. It just went public, too. We let it go public. Uh, anyway, uh, also see us on TikTok and all those crazy places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.